morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Hey, is Jack still back there? Jack, if you're back there, can you come out for just a minute? When he comes out, I want you to give him a big hand. Will you do this for me? Jack, I know you can hear me. Come on, come on, come on. We got to, I, I'm, you're losing my preaching time. Give Jack a big hand. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. This isn't planned at all, is it? No. No. Are, are you feeling, you, just look around just for a moment, right? Just look at, your mom's right over here. Your brother, he's not going to let you live this one down either. Although I think you might be able to whip him. Yeah, no? No. He almost started and did this, Marcus. That's what he began with. Anyhow, so Jack is one of our high school students, feels called into vocational ministries, had a conversation with me. And I said, well, why don't you just come hang out with me and for the, is that your phone? I have it on silent. Oh, not, not really. You don't. No, there it is. Okay. Well, it is on silent. Is it? Yeah. Okay. That's somebody else. These people will do this all the time. I'm just letting you know this. It happens occasionally. So, but um, are you getting more calm being yeah. right here? Okay, good. So he feels called to vocational ministry. And I, I just, he's working over at Roberts. And uh, I just said, hey, what, you, what do you want to do? And he said, I want your job. That's what he said to me in my office. <laughs> I love that. And he wasn't really wanting my job. I just think he liked the desk. But I get that, no problem. <laughs> Look at him, yeah, that's it. So, um, so anyhow, so I said, why don't you just come hang out with me for the summer? and just work back a house and you'll just see how exciting it is. I think most of the time you're just sitting there waiting for somebody to say, hey, can you come help us? Because that's ministry. It's like stress right now. And then it's release. You're going to go back in a minute. So I just, we've got students that are in our, in our high school ministries that feel called a vocational ministry. And I just, we're trying as best we can to get them involved so they can see behind the scenes. I'm standing on a platform today and preaching Uh, because I had pastors that saw God's call in his hand in my life. That's totally biblical. Paul talks about seeing it in Timothy and Titus and and reminding them of the call that's on their life and stirring up that gift, and then they're able to do it for others. And so, again, uh, you know, at some point in time, I'm going to call you up just to preach, so you need to be ready for that. Not today. Is that good? Yeah. All right, you can go back now. Give him a big hand. So anyhow, he's like, oh my goodness, I do not know if I want to do that. So um, Marcus, you can give him a hard time because he did kind of look like I can beat him up and he kind of started for the nod and then he stopped because he saw you. So my younger brother thinks he can beat me up and I, he, if he's watching today, there's still no way. So anyhow, <laughs> if you have your Bibles, don't we turn me to Psalm 112, Psalm 112. And if you're a high school student or junior high student and you feel called into vocational ministry, you're not quite sure, seriously, any point in time, reach out to me, call the church, say you want to talk to me, you'll get my assistant Anna and we'll get connected. Anything I can do to help stir up that gift, help talk to you about that, what your options are, what you want to do, whatever, um, I, I just want to help. And uh, again, seriously, I, I remember... I remember pastors who spoke into my life and youth pastors who spoke into my life and just helped me, and, and that's what it's all about. So I, I, um, we're in this series on Psalms, and I'm gonna, we're going to do the entire chapter of 112, which is all nine verses. I think it's nine verses. No, it's actually ten verses. It goes to the next page. And um, we're going to do that. So if you've not read a chapter all week, you'll be able to say, hey, I read a chapter of the Bible this week. You can feel good about yourself. But I'm talking about the blessed life. And I, I want to say this because I think sometimes we think this, that uh, 
to live this blessed life means it's without conflict. Or, or maybe my life doesn't have conflict, or, uh, but there's no conflict around me either. And it's just not true. If you read and you know anything about Israeli history and culture, you'll understand that the Israelites have always had a conflict. There's always been an adversary. There's always been someone trying to take them out. And I say that because, again, the Old Testament and even the New Testament, these are Hebrew. These are Jews. These are Israelites. These are Israelis. And uh, I was just seen on the news this morning. So right there at the, the Western Wall, uh, public transport. Matter of fact, there were some Americans that were actually on that, on that bus. It was just a local city transport. And a Palestinian uh, broke out fire uh, with a gun. And some people were shot uh, just yesterday. And if you've been to Jerusalem, and if you haven't, we're going to go in the fall of 2023 since everything has kind of opened up and we'll have, I don't know, 40, 50 seats available. And we'd love to have you go with me and with Tammy and do that. But it's right there in the city. And so there's always a conflict. So, so when you read scripture, it's never an absence of conflict. There are seasons of peace. There are seasons of unprecedented peace, but there's usually always a conflict. And then when you get to the New Testament, if you've been reading, uh, if you've been in the soap reading this week uh, for the scripture observation, application, and prayer, for those of you who don't know, it's just kind of a daily two chapter a day kind of a deal that we do. It's on the Life Church app if you don't have it. And... Um, uh, you know, we were t- he was talking about Jesus said, look, they're not going to hate you. They're going to hate me in you. So, but I've overcome the world, but in this world, you're going to have problems. And I think somewhere along the line, we think if I'm going to live a blessed life, that my kids are always going to do good. Uh, my marriage is always going to be great. Uh, I'm never going to run out of money. I, it's just going to be this perpetual miraculous life. And everything around me is just going to be like... You know, just, it's just going to be this, you know, the hills are alive with the sound of music. It's going to be like this, this, this movie, this theater, this, and it's not. And, if, and, and today, one of the reasons why I'm preaching this message is because I, I think the world is crazy right now. Anybody else? No? I mean, I don't care where you fall on any spectrum of any, of any stance, of any ideology, wherever you are, if you're on the, on the far one, one side, far the other side, everybody's going, well, this is crazy. Like, what? This is like crazy town. This is a crazy, what's going on? And so I want to preach this message. I want to unpack this particular chapter in the middle of all of this because that's how it's written. You're never going to have a day and age in your lifetime where it's going to be absent of conflict, absent of things that are happening externally, internally, or even in your own life. Even if you're like, hey, I'm just a single. I don't have any kids to take care of. My parents, I don't live with them anymore. I'm like, I have my own life. Then Paul says in Romans 6, 7, and 8, you're probably wrestling with yourself. This, this struggle doesn't end until we get into eternity. That's the reason why heaven will be so wonderful because all the fears, all the anxieties, all the struggles, all the craziness, all of whatever of life that just seems like it's a -a whack-a-mo game sometimes, it just keeps popping up, is over. And there's peace that never ends. And there's joy that never goes away. And there are no more highs and lows because we are forever in eternity with Jesus. But this side of eternity, that's why we have the book. So let's read this together. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have it. Uh, But Psalm 112, starting in verse number one, he says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. 
His offspring will be mighty in the land, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and righteousness endures forevermore. Light light dawns in the darkness. For the upright, he is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Verse number six. For the righteous will never be moved. Ooh, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. I'll get there in a minute. And he will be remembered forever. For he is not afraid of bad news. So it doesn't say there's an absence of. He's just not afraid of. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in the triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely as he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. And the wicked man sees it and is angry and gnashes his teeth and melts away. And the desires of the wicked will perish. As we walk through this, he says that the the key, the foundation to having this blessed life is found in verse one. It's, it's a relationship with the Lord. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's a relationship with the Lord. You cannot have the life that the psalmist is talking about here unless you have a relationship with the Lord. What do you mean by that, Aaron? Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. You have said, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior and I believe that you're my salvation. Come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord, be my savior. I give you my sin, I give you my life, I choose to follow you. It's not a call to perfection. It's not a call to something beyond. It's a call to accept the amazing grace that God's given us through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 10 Uh, 9 and 10 says, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. So it's not about church attendance. It's not about church membership. It's not about being water baptized or taking communion. You do all those things, but they are, they come after that first, I've asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and come into my life, that the Lord is my foundation. I have a relationship with him. And he tells us right there, there are two keys to having a relationship with Jesus. First of all, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now, fear not, fear the Lord. uh, it's, It's found, that phraseology is found 365 times in Scripture. One for every day. It's the most quoted phrase, Old Testament and New Testament. Why is that? Because you and I as human beings have this proclivity to fear. We have this inclination to fear. We watch the news and we fear. We t- send our kids off to school and we fear. Uh, we, we, we get married and, and, well, what if this doesn't work? We become fearful. We, what, what if this job doesn't, well, I, I become fearful. What, what if in my old age I run out of money? We become fearful. What, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Fear and anxiety, it plagues us. This is not a new issue. This is humanity. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs that fearing the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge that's applied. There's a lot of people that have knowledge in this world, but they don't have wisdom. It's different. Wisdom is, I know, I understand what you're saying. I I get the ideology. I understand the, the concept, but I know how to apply it. I don't need people that are smart. I need people that are wise. Smart is you have intelligence. Wise is you know what to do with that intelligence. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so fear fear is is something that that we've got to understand that fear in and of itself comes from Satan. God is not the author of fear. 
It's, that's the work of the enemy. So anytime I begin to feel fear, except for unto the Lord, I, I should push that away because that's, God's not giving me that. And so, and because what fear does in my life, it says that whatever the situation is that's bigger than God or bigger than my ability to trust in God. So <laughs> I'm just trying to catch my breath because I'm thinking so much about what I want to say right now. It's, it's when you stop for a moment and you just kind of go, I can't really trust God with my finances. I can't really trust God with my future. I can't really trust God with my family. I can't really trust fear. And fear comes in, and that's where the enemy, that's kind of his playground. And anxiety comes in, and all this comes in, and all these issues come in, and all these worries come in. Uh, you know, counseling, I love counseling. I'm all about, I see someone regularly, and it's somebody I can just kind of emotionally vomit all of my junk and all of the stuff that I'm dealing with that's a safe place. And quite frankly, it's one of those deals, the first time I met Dr. Green, he said, why are you sitting here? Most people have imploded in their life and ministry. That's why they're in that chair. I said, nope, I know I had the ability to. I'm just like, I can fall like anybody else can. But here's what I know. I've got to get what's happening inside of me out in a good place. Uh, and so, because if I talk to my friends, they're all preachers, and they're just going to give me a sermon. I don't need another sermon. You ever been there before? Some of you are there right now. Okay, so I don't need another sermon. But what I do know is that when I tell you this and I, t and I explain this to you, then what you're going to do is, is you're going to not only are you going to keep it confidential, because if you don't, I'll sue you and I'll own everything that you have in this practice. <laughs> I really said that. Because at the end of the day, it's, that's, that, that's that confidentiality. I just need to know that what I'm saying to you is confidential. And then I also need someone that's wise enough to help me walk through this. Notice I didn't say smart enough. I want something, someone that's wise. They have the same ideology. They have the same theology, study of God. They see God the same way I do and can help me understand. I'm all for that. But at the end of the day, Dr. Green or any other psychologist or any other counselor, all they're going to be able to do is give you tools. But at some point in your heart of heart, you have to make the decision. You have to make the choice. Are you going to trust the world? Are you going to trust yourself? Are you going to let fear come in and say the God that you serve isn't big enough to handle whatever situation? Because right now, many of you, most of you in this room, there, you are facing a situation that is beyond your ability to be able to handle it. It's your, on your, beyond your ability to control it. And there is this choice. Am I going to have fear? Which means I don't believe God can really handle this. Or am I going to trust? I know that's much easier said than done. But Psalm says, chapter 12, verse 1, that the fear of the Lord is part of that relationship. And the second part is to delight in his commands. To delight in his commands. To find my delight in this book. And again, I don't have time to unpack all of that today. What I would do is refer you to last week's message. If you were here, awesome. If you weren't, it's online at lifechurchwi.com and you can watch it. It's right there because I unpack what that means to have the light in the commands. It's following the word of God. It's following the Bible. But without that foundation, the blessed life according to scripture does not exist. So you see people thinking that money's gonna give them the blessed life and it doesn't. Or that relationships, marriage, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is, the party scene is going to give them that. And it doesn't. Or I'm just going to have kids. That's just going to fix my life. Are you kidding? <laughs> Says the person that has never had kids. Oh, that'll work. That'll fix our marriage. Really? 
Again, let me help you with a couple of counselors. Okay, so, so the deal is it, it's, 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 it doesn't, uh, money is going to fix me. This job, if I don't live in Wisconsin where it's cold, I can get to Florida or Arizona. Do you know how many people I know and I've met in Arizona and Florida that are from Wisconsin that are as miserable there as they are were here? How do you, you look at it on their face. They've got that same blank look of like, how are you? I mean, it's just like, what? No, 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 no. It, it doesn't matter. The, the deal is this is not an external issue. This is an internal issue. That's the good news. But when you put your fear only in the Lord, which means I only, I'm only concerned about him and I delight in his word, then I can live a blessed life. And when I do, what does that look? He, he gives us four promises right here. First of all, family. That my family, my children, my home will be blessed. He says they'll be mighty and blessed. This refers to the blessing, the power, and the provision of God upon his people. When your foundation is in the Lord, your family will see it and will follow it. This is that reproducing process in your life, that you reproduce who and what you are. And so when you live a life that is only based upon the fear of the Lord and, upon, and delighting in his word, then guess what? Your life is that way. So then your children see that. And yeah, they may do some crazy stuff and they may do this and that and whatever. And, and again, lest we all go back to our teenage years, none of us were perfect either. And, um, and it's not even about perfection. It's just like, why are you doing that? Or why are you, or what? Or huh, this makes no sense. And, and Tammy reminds me, yeah, but probably when you were X age, you did, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you would do crazy stuff and do stuff and whatever. And so, anyhow, the point that I'm making is, is that your kids begin to see that and they watch that and they see it lived out in your life. That's the reason why the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Those aren't my words. That's not a good thought. That's God's word. So when I trust not the fear of the world that says that there is a my kids are going to be lost. They're going to be prodigals. They're never going to follow God. No, no, no. My hope is built on only fearing the Lord and delighting in his word. And his word says that when I train up my children the way they'll go, as they get older, they'll not depart from it. And I'm telling you, Tammy and I had a conversation about this this week. There is probably more of a satanic attack upon our kids today than I think ever before. I think there's more of a ploy on this generation than ever before. I don't know what it is about this generation. I don't know what's so amazing about this generation. I don't know why the devil is so scared of this generation. I don't know why he trembles, but he's doing everything he can to confuse their identity, to confuse their gender orientation, to, to confuse their sexual orientation, to do everything he can to squash this generation. And the only thing I can think is that this is going to be possibly the generation. The Bible says in the last days, there will come sons and daughters will prophesy. And there's a generation that's coming up. It wasn't my generation. We thought we were all that in a bag of chips and a little Debbie cake, but we were not. Said amen to all the Gen Xers. And, and so, that's right, take me back. Anyhow, so, so but, but, but the truth of the matter is there's something. 
And so here's what I know. When I, when I fear the Lord and when, and when I delight in his word and do his word, says, he will bless my children. They will be mighty and they will be blessed. And if you don't think my kids won't be mighty and won't be blessed, if you don't think your kids won't be mighty and you won't be blessed, just get a Diet Coke and a bag of Funyuns and give it just enough time. And you will see God, because this isn't about them. This isn't about me. This isn't about you. This is about God's word. It's yes and amen. Secondly, the Bible says that I will operate with prosperity. Man, he is really going with it. Like, is he going to take an offering after this? Like, is this, we're going to go to name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. If you want a Cadillac, just give me $100 today and you too will have that. No, this is not what I'm saying. Wow. You guys really have a vivid imagination. Okay, look at verse, look at verse three and four. I'm not right. I didn't write this. I'm just telling you what it says. Wealth and riches are in his house. And righteousness endures forever, and light dawns in the darkness for the upright, for he is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Wealth and riches. I don't care how you translate that. I don't care what language you translate that in. I don't care how you try to theologize that and exegete that passage. It means exactly what it says. That God will prosper and bless what's in your hand. Now, prosperity... Blessing is relative. So let me just show you what I mean by this. So uh, if I took you on a trip with me and we went to Haiti, went to Port-au-Prince and then went out of the city and uh, I could introduce you to farmers. I've been there, seen their stuff, seen the crops, whatever. Convoy of Hope that you partner with, we'll be doing a one day to feed the world. We'll give one day's wage for the poor and suffering of the world here in a few weeks uh, in October. And, uh, but Convoy of Hope, one of their major four pillars is, is, is feeding in, in a sustainable way for agricultural initiatives. And they've gone in wherever they're invited or wherever the door opens, and they'll work with local farmers, and they'll show them how to properly uh, get everything they can out of the soil that they have, the best crop that's going to be for that soil, how to, how to prepare the ground, terrace it, whatever they may need to do, how they can work with, with natural rainwater and so forth and so on for proper irrigation and get the highest yield. They've had some great success. Matter of fact, there have been governments in Central America that have literally said, would you come in and just and speak to the government because the yield that you're having is phenomenal. Let me go back to Haiti. Haiti, if you've ever been there, it's this very poor island nation. And so on these hillsides and places where you just can't typically do crops, they've been able to go in, help and work and see the yield increase. And so the idea is, is that you can farm these fields. You have this land. You can do this. You can work together in kind of a true co-op. And then out of this, you can feed your families. But one of the things that's interesting is that they teach the principle of tithing. 10% of everything that you produce needs to go back to a co-op, to a warehouse where the seed is stored so that it's sustainable, so that you don't eat all of your seed, but that you're able to take that, do that, and plant it for the next year. And then there's seed there for new farmers and new individuals who are saying, hey, I need some help. Here's where it is. So that it becomes sustainable, even during seasons of drought, even during seasons where there's a low yield and, 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 and acreage is, is become scarce. That's how they're blessed. And I've sat there and talked with them and, and having these conversations where they're like, yeah, we, we were doing this, but now we're doing this. And here's what we're doing. Here's my kids and they're eating. And they're da, 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 da. Why? Because for as long as the earth shall endure, the Bible says there will be seed time and harvest. 
All truth is God's truth. So applied, it works. And then when you honor God with the first 10% of what you make, he blesses the other 90%. Now, go to today. We're sitting here in church in America. I don't know any of you that are farming. Maybe there's a couple of you that have some, some, some corn that you're raising somewhere, doing something of that nature. But for most of us, we're not in agriculture. Maybe we wish we were. And, uh, but uh, you're, you're working your job. You're doing this. But according to God's word, when I honor God with that tithe out of obedience... So of what I make, I honor him. So that farmer in Haiti, the way they tithe, because it's not money, it's not monetary, it's seed. The way we tithe is we're paid in money. So we honor God with that first 10%. God blesses that other 90%. So great that it's bigger than, than the 10% that, that we lost. It's, it's, it's more, it's, it produces more even than the 100%. And you're blessed today. So it doesn't matter whether we're talking about tithing 10% of the seed of your yield in Haiti, or we're talking about tithing 10% of your income that you just made from your job and your business that you own, that the term is relative, but the effect is universal. When I live my life on a foundation of God in accordance with his word, I am blessed and I will prosper. Therefore, increase and growth are not a focus, but they're a byproduct of the blessed life. But I can know that I will be, because his word says, taken care of and blessed. If I'll produce, if I'll work this book, if I will live this book, if I will apply this book in my life to the best of my ability, not about perfection, that's where grace comes in, God will show up and he will bless me. Now, if you're one of those people that go, man, I just don't believe that, I don't do that, I don't know how you, I don't know how you, I don't know how you don't believe that without taking scissors to the Bible because it's all over scripture, New Testament and Old Testament, that God blesses and, and, and God blesses because we honor him and because we're following his word. And so I just want to say to you, sometimes we get scared where like, well, what about my job? And what about this? And what about that? My focus isn't on money. My focus isn't on resource. My focus, isn't, my focus is on doing what God's called me to do and letting him take care of the rest. Because money's a terrible taskmaster. Money's a terrible thing to go, I'm just going to take this job for money. I, let me say it this way, because I, I think sometimes business people kind of go, well, you know, he doesn't really kind of get this, and da 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 No, I, I get this really, really, really well. Here's what I believe. I believe that if I was doing what I'm doing for money, not for a calling, I'm a hireling, not a shepherd. And you can tell the difference. Because the shepherd says, no, I'm here. Because when the phone calls come to make more money or to go, I don't leave. It's been almost 20 years. It's not that the phone doesn't ring. It's not that there aren't other, other money. And sometimes it's even secular employment. Hey, have you ever thought about doing X, Y, Z? Hey, you'd be really good at, you probably could sell ice to an Eskimo. Yes, I could. I, I, but, but that's not my calling. My calling is this. My calling is what I'm doing. Even when I sat down with the church board 20 years ago and there was a hundred people in the church. I never asked about what the salary was. Not because I was fat, nasty, loaded, but it's because I was debt-free and I was ready to go plant a church and I could flip burgers at Burger King if I had to. Because it's about the call. But what I do know is that when I lean on his word and do what he's asked me to do, he blesses me. So in 20 years of being in Wisconsin, don't hate me because you ain't me, but I'm blessed and highly favored. Not because of me, because of him. 
because of his word, because his word says he's never seen, the, we've never seen the righteous forsaking nor his seed begging bread. And at the end of the day, when you do whatever it is that God's called you to do, open that business, start that, that, that consulting firm, uh, take that job here, move across the country, whatever it may be that God's put in your heart to do, whatever it is that your hand finds to do, when you do it and you only fear him and you live your life according to God's word, he will bless you. That's what it says. I'm almost out of time. I got to go to the third thing, generosity. You, you will be, you will operate with generosity. Look at verse number five. For it is well with the man who deals generously in lens, who conducts his affairs with justice. You are blessed to be a blessing. The blessings of God, the wealth and riches that verse three talks about is not just for your consumption. It's for you in turn to be a blessing to someone else. You are never blessed to hoard it up. Let me just rewind the tape on that one. You're not blessed just to stockpile it up. Some of you have more resources than you will ever be able to spend in your lifetime. And that's wonderful. You live below your means, you save and you do that. But, but, but if you really look at it, you're just building barns and bigger barns. You're, you're, just, you're just trying to, I got to have more and more and more and more and more and more. And that's not what we're created to do. We are blessed in order to be a conduit. We're, 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 not a, we're, we're not a stock pond. We're not a reservoir. We're a conduit. God flows through us. And when God realizes that he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And, and because here's the reason why we're never blessed to hoard things up. Generosity is a strength that says my source will never run dry. But hoarding is a weakness that says my source has limits. Who's your source? If it's you, you're limited, you're finite, you're capped. If you are your source, if you are your everything and your all, if you are the sunrise and the sunset in your world and you look at your life and go, well, this is what I've done. This is who I have been. This is what I've created. This is what I've earned. It's all about I, it's all about me, it's all about my, says a great theologian, Toby Keith. If that's your ideology and your theology in life, then hoard everything you can because you are limited, because you are finite, because it will run dry at some point. And just pray to God that you don't ever get in a situation where it all runs out. But if you're like the rest of us, who goes, there's no way I'm that good. There's no way I'm that smart. There's no way that I'm that great of a strategist. My source is a Lord. Then guess what? That source is unlimited. That source is infinite. That source has no end. That's how you have power and strength to go live your life because you honor him. You bring the tithe. He blesses the 90 greater than you'd ever bless the 100. He opens up doors. He blesses you in, in ways you can't imagine. And then in your life, when you see a need that you want to meet, you see someone that you want to minister to, you see a missionary you want to support, you see a ministry you want to start, all of a sudden you're like going, hey, I am so blessed. Where can I invest this in kingdom impact? That's what the blessed life is about. I have conversations from time to time with people at Life Church, private conversations, and they'll stay private, but they just go, God's blessed me. And I go, well, tell me, what, how can I help you? So if you tell me what it is that you're wanting to invest in, in the kingdom, see, it's, just, it's, it's like anything else. It's like talking to Charles Schwab or Morgan Stanley or whatever else, it's kingdom investment. And I wanna help, I wanna help widows that are in need, okay. As we know of needs, I'm just gonna send you opportunities. And if you wanna minister to that, we can do that. 
man, I, I wanna help churches get planted. Okay, we can do that. Hey, I, I wanna do something in the 1040 window. Hey, I wanna do something uh, with, with, with Arabs and Muslims in, in the Middle East. Hey, I, 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 want, I, I wanna help get, get I, I wanna help kids like Jack that feel called into vocational ministry and I know how expensive education is and I know how cost prohibitive is. And if we can set up a scholarship, I'd like to be able to do that. Hey, I'd like to be able to, could you, I'd like to do something about the inner city. Hey, I wanna be able to do, awesome. Because all that is, is simply saying, hey, God has blessed me. And in his blessing me, I'm in turn going to be a conduit. I'm going to operate with generosity. And a sign of a blessed life is a generous person. Why? Because they have what they need and more. And so they go, I'm not going to hoard this. I'm going to bless. I'm going to give. Now, just take a deep breath. I'm not taking an offering. I'm not setting you up for anything. I'm just simply saying, have you ever been in a service where you wanted to give and you couldn't give? You had any money? It's a horrible feeling. You ever been in a place where you were able, when the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart about what you were supposed to give and you were able to do that? It's amazing. It's truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why is that? Why is it that there is this conflict? Well, because you were made in the image and the likeness of God, whom is extreme generosity. John three sixteen, for God loved you so much that he gave. Not that he prayed for you, not that he did some spiritual activity, not that he wrote a special book in the Bible for you, not that he noticed you. God loved you so much that he called you by name. Okay, thanks, appreciate it. No, he loved you so much that he gave, and what did he give his one and only son, his everything. So when you and I operate with generosity to one another, when we operate in generosity and, and our giving with our time and our talent and our treasure, when we operate that way, we're operating in the image likeness of God. So when we go, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough. I got this mindset that life is like I have one donut instead of a whole Krispy Kreme line. We've had this story conversation before, right? No? Right. Krispy Kreme is like the example of what generosity and abundance is to me. Not only is it just like a taste of heaven, but they will be, they will be at the marriage supper of the lamb. But it's just, it's like, hey, don't get wigged out. There's more donuts than what's in that case. Just look at the conveyor belt. It's the dough, it's rising, it goes all the way up and all the way down and all the way over and comes back over. I've watched it, trust me, it does this. And it goes right down and then there's this glaze hose. That's where I like to be, right in front of the glaze hose. Just and then all of a sudden, it's just right there. And then, and then it just keeps going. And then there's somebody saying, would you like to have one? Yes, I'd like to have six right now. I mean, I can eat like a dozen with a half a gallon of milk just in one setting. Go, what just happened? I know that's wrong. Don't send me an email. But I'm just saying to you, th th that's the abundance that I'm talking about. It's, it's not that there's limit. No, it's not based on me. It's based on the Lord. And the last thing he says is that we'll have Security. 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 We, we all face challenges in our life. We face financial challenges. We face work challenges, health challenges, and relational difficulties. But regardless, we never have to face them alone. This is what he says in the, in the rest of the passage there as you, as you get through in verse number 6 all the way through, all the way through verse number 10. The righteous will never be moved. He'll be remembered forever. It just goes on and on and on. There's going to be security that's in our life. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous and do not fear 
or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. God is always present in your life, regardless where you are. Psalm 46, one says, for God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There's never a need to fear in my life. Psalm 16, eight says, for I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Philippians 4, 6 says, we are to be anxious for nothing. We are to be fearful for nothing. We are to have anxiety over nothing. How many things are you anxious about? How many things do you have anxiety about? How much medication do you have to take in order to ease the anxiety? I'm not beating up on you. I'm just saying there's something about being able to trust in the Lord. There's something about this blessed life that just says the anxiety, I have no need to fear put my hope and put my trust in the Lord. He never fails me. God never fails me. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What you're doing, it counts. God sees it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways, acknowledging him for he will direct your paths. I could go on and on and on for days because the Bible is filled full of promises, Old Testament and the New Testament. The point is, is that when I build my life on the foundation of Jesus, I'm blessed. And it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what the world says, it doesn't matter what's happening in the news, it doesn't matter what's happening in Washington, it doesn't matter what's happening in the Middle East, it doesn't matter who, what nuclear arms race is taking, taking place, it doesn't matter what's happening in the Ukraine, it doesn't matter what's happening anywhere else in the world, it doesn't matter what's happening down the street, I am blessed. And, and, and because, not because of me, but because my life is built in Christ. My foundation is in him. That's the reason why if you go back to Psalm 112, verse one, he begins with these three words, praise the Lord. How can I praise the Lord? He'll take the next 10 verses to unpack. We just did that today. Why I can praise the Lord. I can praise the Lord because if I'm in Jesus and he is in me, I am blessed. And blessing is not the absence of trouble. Blessing is the presence of provision. It's that I have a God who if I have sickness in my body, the Bible says that God will heal me. If I'm dealing with loneliness or depression or anxiety, God is a God who is near. He's not way up there. He's Emmanuel. God is with us. If I feel frustrated or confused, God is clarity and light. Anytime you feel frustration or, or lack of clarity in your life, you feel confusion. That's the work of the enemy. The Bible says that Satan himself is the author of confusion, but Jesus has come to give clarity in life. When death comes in, when I feel death, Jesus is life and the giver of eternal life for he is the great I am. Whatever life throws at you, that's what he is. I love this. We forget this sometimes, but you go all the way back when God has this conversation with Moses and he sends him to Pharaoh and he sends him there and he says, look, I want you to go and tell him to let 3 million Jews leave their captivity and the slavery of Egypt because I'm gonna take you to the promised land. The entire workforce, 
And, and Moses goes, what am I gonna tell him? Who am I gonna tell the, the, the number one superpower in the world at that time? Uh, even if I get in his presence, who am I gonna say sent me? I love what God says to Moses. You tell him that the I am sent you. That means that whatever you and my people need me to be, that's what I'll be. When Jesus looks at Mary and Martha, we read it this week, when he looks at Mary and Martha, because Lazarus is dead, he looks and she says, yeah, I know he'll come back to life at the resurrection. That's such a church answer, isn't it? Yeah, I, I get it, Jesus. One day we'll all see him. We're going to live forever. And Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection. He's quoting what God said in the Old Testament. I am. If you need me to be the resurrection, I'm the resurrection. See, the problem isn't that God isn't the resurrection. The problem is we don't believe it because sometimes we don't read it enough to really believe it and let it get in our spirit. It's not that God's not the healer. That's what his word says. Isaiah 53, 5 says that by his stripes, I am healed, period. It's not that he doesn't heal us. It's not that he doesn't desire to heal us. It's do we believe? Do, do we have faith? Every single time Jesus heals somebody, he looks at them and says, do you believe? Do you believe? Then do what I'm gonna ask you to do. And if you'll do that, you will be healed. And, 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 and so, so God is our healer. It's, it's not that he's not our provider. It's we just don't look to him because we, men, we just want to just kind of figure our way out and we're just too prideful to humble ourselves. And I don't know if I believe what that church says and da, da, da. Believe whatever you want to believe. I'm just telling you the book said he's my provision. He's my provider. That, that, that if I put my hope and my trust in him, man, it will never run dry. And so when I live life that way, I have a safety, I have a security, I have a hope that I don't fear anyone else but the Lord. Why? Because he's the I am. He's the great I am. He is alpha, omega, beginning and the end, the first and last, that which was and is to come and forevermore shall be. The Bible says that the four and 20 elders sing before the throne of God constantly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. That's the reason why the psalmist begins with praise the Lord. That he'll go on to say, praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty shouts. Praise him in his temple. Praise him with the holy people. Praise him with the temple. Praise him with the heart. Praise him with the lyre. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Why? Because he has done so much. He has blessed me so much. He has been such a provision. He's been such a provider. He's been such a hope. And some of you look at me like a mule looking at a new gate because you haven't experienced it. But I'm telling you, I know when God shows up. I know when God speaks, not because I'm holy, not because I'm a pastor, but because this is what his word says he will do. I'm way too excited for summer. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna pray, Dustin's gonna come out, he's gonna be way more civilized than me. I'm just telling you, I live in the same world you live in, watch the same news, see the same stuff, and have the same thoughts. But this word remains unchanged. That's why we're giving it. And I have made a decision I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. You want to get wigged out? Get wigged out. I'm not going to. You want to live life being fearful? That's your business. I'm not going to. You want to put your hope in things that are temporal? That's your business. I'm just telling you, I'm going to put my hope in his word. And the good news is, is that we can all do this. And when we do that, God bless us. 
Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord, I know I say that every time I preach. But God, your word is unchanging in a world that changes constantly. Your word is our comfort. Your word is our strength. Our hope is built on you. And I just pray today, help us in this world to put our hope and our trust in you, Jesus, to make sure that you're our foundation, that you're our hope. I just pray, help us to delight ourselves in your word, to be people that are committed to your word. We're not perfect. We, we fail, we make mistakes, we fall short of your glory. There's none of us that are righteous. But that's when you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness if we just ask. God, this is not about us being great. This is not about us being perfect. This is not about us executing all the X's and the O's perfectly and running the plays of life perfectly. It's about us being surrendered to you and you alone. And when we humble ourselves before you, you exalt. When we humble ourselves before you, you bless. We put our trust and our hope in you, you provide. So I pray this week, as we leave this place, that your blessings would be upon your people, that your face would shine upon them. God, that your hand would be upon them and that you'd be gracious unto them. I pray, God, whatever challenges that they're facing, that you would just speak your word in a timely manner in their life. Let the peace of God that passes understanding rule and umpire their hearts. Let the joy of the Lord endure even through the night that they may have to go through, knowing that our troubles in this world are not in vain. And also remembering that this world is not our home. We're only passing through. That there is a heaven to gain. That we have a soon coming king. And that's not pie in the sky. That's not hype for Sunday morning. That works when I'm depressed on Tuesday night or I feel hopeless boarding a plane on Thursday because I've got to go meet a client. When the anxiety of my soul wants to flare up and the enemy wants to say fear, 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 Lord, let us remember 365 times, one for every single day, your word says fear not. The only thing we're to fear is you. Help us to walk in your strength and in your light. In Jesus' name, help us live this blessed life. Amen.